Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. It's a penny for your thoughts here as we start another day on this Friday. And we're glad you're with us wherever and however you might be listening to us today, whether it's on the radio, you're out and about, you're inside, you're streaming, you're in your car, you're local or you're far away. We're just uh, glad to bring you. A penny for your thoughts here today, 9 to 11, here on DWS, 1400 AM, 93.9 FM. Forecast today, very bit cloudy and a high of 36. Cloudy tonight, a low of 22, a high of 38 tomorrow. Right now about to freezing, 32 degrees and overcast. Trying to get a little sunshine in here somewhere uh, this weekend. A lot to talk about, of course. It's been a busy week. Uh, still trying to remember, okay, we played the football game on Monday. We had a basketball game on Wednesday. The women played last night. They won, by the way. They are 14-2. and two. we got a men's game tomorrow. I'll do the show next Tuesday from Lincoln, Nebraska. So uh, we'll broadcast from there next week. And you got Michigan State coming to town the following week as well. So lots of things happening. Busy schedule. I think the Illini men are playing six games in 15 days. So that'll keep us hopping. Glad you're with us. Uh, we're going to talk uh, university here for a little bit over at the University of Illinois. The uh, dean of the College of Business, the Geese College of Business, Jeff Brown, will join us for a few minutes. Uh, they were just named the MBA Program of the Year for 2022, the Geese IMBA. And so we'll talk to Jeff about that. And he's also written some interesting things about uh, transforming higher education. And we'll talk to him about that as well. So uh, Jeff Brown joins us here for a few minutes off the top, and then we'll open up the lines, uh, phone calls, emails, and texts the rest of the morning up until 11 o'clock here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. No speaker as of yet in Washington, D.C. We'll see if they get that done. They, they, apparently they're close to a deal. What that means, and if he gets enough votes, we'll see. Two years ago today was the uh, January 6th. Here we are, January 6th, two years later in uh, 2021. Storming of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. 
And let's see what else is out there. Oh, yeah, well, you should know this weekend about the 52nd state Senate seat. They're under a deadline there to get that done, so that we should know something on that, I would think, probably by tomorrow. The News Gazette will be on top of it, whether in the print edition or online. So make sure you follow that. All right, 909, let me get a break in. We'll get Jeff Brown in here, the Dean of the Geese College of Business, next as we continue. Any questions, thoughts for our guests, certainly are welcome. On a penny for your thoughts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hi, this is Evan LaBelle from Watsika Basketball. Saturday afternoon, the Wisconsin Badgers visit the Fighting Illini. Hear all the action right here on News Talk 1493.9 FM. We're back on a a penny for your thoughts here this morning on this Friday. Again, headed for a high of 36. It's about 32 right now, so it's not going to go up much. And it kind of snowed all day yesterday, but it never really stuck. It was just kind of flurry activity. We'll have more on the weather. Our show today, uh, as on Fridays, uh, we call them Illini Fridays throughout the football and basketball season. Of course, we've got a game tomorrow at 1230, Illinois and Wisconsin. Brought to you by OSF Cardiovascular Institute. Your heart is their mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash beat. University of Illinois, Geese College of Business. The dean is here. We've known Jeff Brown a long time. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks good. for having me on today. Yeah, you doing everything good over at the U of I? Everything cranked back up again? Yeah, we're looking forward to having the students back a little over a week, and uh, it'll feel like it's all normal again. Yeah, it certainly will. Well, it's it goes fast, I know, and I know it's been busy over there, certainly for the Geese College of Business. How long have you been the dean now? Uh, I started in 2015, so this is my eighth year already. Okay, but you were with them for... Sure, I was on the faculty uh, over 20 years now. I came here in the summer of 2002 and never looked back. I think we used to have you on years ago explaining complicated... Yeah, financial we issues. Come on, I talk think. about pensions and social security <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Being dean's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you enjoying that? I really, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a fantastic job. Yeah. Well, you do a great job over there, and uh, the Geese College of Business. Talk about geese. People yeah. hear that. People wonder, well, who's Geese? So yeah. tell us about so, the first Geese of all, family. So Larry Geese and his wife Beth, uh, they're both alums of the University of Illinois. Larry was an accounting major in, in 1988. Uh, Beth went to the College of Aces and uh, graduated in 89. They live up in Chicago, and he is the founder and CEO of Madison Industries, which is a uh, one of the largest privately held uh, companies in the U.S., uh, and they've got a lot of companies that are part of their portfolio, but they're all focused on making the world safer, healthier, and more productive. And uh, it was just a little over five years ago that they um, blessed us with a $150 million gift, and we named the college in their honor. Mm. Well, a lot of great graduates of that school already. Oh, many, many, many. It's yes, pretty, pretty impressive. And a lot list. more great ones to come. That's right. <laughs> well, Poets and Quants has named MBA, the MBA program of the year for 2022, the Geese IMBA. 
So first of all, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a prestigious honor. It sure it? is, and especially, um, I mean, it really is all the MBA programs in the world, both residential and online, and they chose us. Uh, and this program is only seven years old, so it really shows how far we've come in a very short period of time. I know when this started a few years ago, uh, I don't know if you had any, did you have an idea that it could be this successful this fast? And get this kind of award. It has uh, <laughs> exceeded our expectations. Um, you know, there, there, we took a big risk back in when we launched in 2016 to do a fully online program, to do it at such a low price point. You can get your entire MBA degree for only about $22,000, $23,000. It was a completely different model. And mm-hmm. we had, you know, we were optimistic about it, but. I think, to be perfectly honest, no. If we'd gone back seven, eight years ago, would we have guessed that we'd be the MBA program of the year just a few short years later? I don't think Mm -hmm. that was on anybody's radar. And this is from MBA programs around the world. That's right. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, they could have chosen anything from Harvard and Wharton and Stanford and Booth and Kellogg, but they chose us. And Mm -hmm. we're really excited about that. And it's, frankly, it's because we're kind of defining the future Mm -hmm. of business education. Yeah. So, why do you feel and why did they say you deserve this honor? Kind of explain what makes it work, I guess. Yeah, so there's a number of elements that are exceptionally important and quite different about our program. We have always made access front and center along with the quality of the program. And um, we've done that through price. There's not another program out there that is as high of a value as this one to get an entire MBA degree for under twenty five grand. When most of them, you're going to spend, you know, six figures uh, to do that. Uh, Second is we've put our very best faculty in the classroom um, or in the virtual classroom, I should say. Mm -hmm. So it's a super high quality program. And we have taken a number of other steps to reduce the barriers to people earning their MBA, whether it's how we schedule it, the fact that it's, you know, people can do it from anywhere in the world. They don't have to be here on campus Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, and they also called out something that in the academic world is called stackability. Yeah, which is a, talk uh, about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, all it basically means is there's a lot you can you can engage with us in little bite-sized pieces and in, in it like a series of Lego building blocks. You can build different things with the pieces. So in other words, somebody could come to us and just say, "I don't want to get." academic credit. I just want to engage with some of your material. There's a way to do that. If they like what they see, they can sign up for the actual course, do the additional work, get credit for the class. If they want, they could then stack that class into a graduate certificate, and maybe that's where they want to end. Or maybe after the certificate, they decide they want to get a degree, and then they finish that degree and want to get another. The pieces all fit together and build, mm-hmm. and you don't have to repeat things. And so mm-hmm. we've, we've created all these different entryways into the program, uh, which is something really unique that, that no one else has really done at this scale before. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly part of uh, the, the award as well. Jeff Brown is with us. He's the Dean of the Geese College of Business over at the University of Illinois. Again, Poets and Quants uh, named them the MBA Program of the Year. Uh, Poets and Quants, tell me about them. Yeah, what so Poets is- and Quants is really the leading uh, publication that covers business schools. Uh, mm-hmm. They put out articles every single day mm-hmm. about business schools all across the U.S. and across the world. And they have very quickly over in the last 10 to 15 years become sort of the 
go-to source for information about business school. So it's read widely, not just by those of us that work in it, but students who are thinking about business schools mm-hmm. um, also flock to their, uh, their, their site and their materials uh, to get information. Mm. Stackable options, you talked about that. Certainly that's a key part of this. And the cost of education, getting a degree. Yeah. And we can we'll dig a little deeper into this as we go. No, I'm but, happy to. But, Look, when we when we decided to do this seven or eight years ago, what we saw was a real problem in higher education generally, but especially in the MBA field. I mean, I, I won't name other schools in this context, <laughs> but you can look around and easily find places that are charging two hundred and twenty thousand dollars for a two year MBA degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought that that was leaving an awful lot of really highly qualified, talented people out of the education market, and we decided to do something about it. And it was really that land-grant mission that led us to do this and to price it in such a uh, high-value, aggressive way. It's interesting, the history of uh, college degrees, getting a college education. The model goes back uh, 800, 900 years. I know you've researched this. You've written quite a bit on it. I read your your uh, paper on this, um, yeah, you know, it hasn't changed a lot. That's just it. You know, <laughs> it's really interesting. I, I was trying to figure out like who was the first university to issue what we call a degree today, and I was able to trace it back at least to the uh, 1300s in Europe. Um, and that model, I mean, obviously the content of what we teach has changed, but the model that you go to school for a few years, you earn a degree, that model hasn't changed. But think about how the world has changed, Brian. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you go back to when Harvard was founded in the 1630s and, you know, up in up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in four years, you could kind of learn all the knowledge there was to learn in the world. Today, knowledge is changing so rapidly that you if somebody's been out of school a year, they've already got areas that have advanced that they need to be brought up to speed on. And so we need to think differently. I think you quoted uh, a Pulitzer Prize-winning author, Tom Friedman. We live in an age of accelerations. The College of William & Mary was founded in 1693. Uh, the body of knowledge one was expected to learn during college was not so different from that which faced the first students at Harvard nearly six decades earlier. That's right. Today we have students who graduated from leading business school six years ago who are already finding that the pace of technological change is requiring they learn new skills. That's exactly right. I mean, and um, <laughs> that's the world we live in. And that acceleration is going to continue to accelerate, right? And so what what this makes us realize is that you know, degrees aren't going to go away. They serve a really important role. But we need to provide educational opportunities to people throughout their career when they need it and where they need it. And um, that requires that we think about reaching people not by requiring them to come back to campus for one year or two years or four years, but to allow them while they're working their busy jobs and working around their busy family mm-hmm. lives uh, to be able to go back and refresh their skills in a rigorous way. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the world that we're trying to build. One thing you also write, you say the idea that one can earn a degree at the age of 22 and be set for a career is as antiquated as the pocket watch. That's exactly That's an right. interesting comparison. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, the pocket watch is still around, <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's certainly not the primary thing anymore. So we are addressing this at Geese by mm-hmm. introducing uh, four-credit transcriptable certificates at the graduate level. And what that really means is you can come and take, say, three courses, 12 credit hours, 
and you can do them in a specialized area, you know, data science or in, in uh, you know, finance or leadership. And you can get that recognized credential. And that may be all somebody wants. You know, they've been out of school for 20 years and realized that they're at a point in their career where they need that knowledge and expertise. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the luxury or the privilege of taking two years off, spending a couple hundred thousand bucks to go get an MBA. So for a few thousand dollars, while continuing to work, they can really learn incredibly valuable mm-hmm. skills. You're also connected with uh, EY. Yep. Uh, tell me about that. What- well, so we we work with a lot of corporate partners, mm-hmm. um, uh, and certainly, you know, we're one of the. I think we're the best accounting program in the world. We're mm-hmm. certainly, um, you know, we're always in the top two or three of accounting programs in the U.S. And so we work closely with companies like EY, PwC, Grant Thornton, the whole list of them. Uh, the point I was making about EY in the papers, they're one of our most important partners. Mm-hmm. Yet they have also recognized that um, the traditional model isn't working anymore. So they actually partnered with um, a fully online business school to provide their own employees with a free, essentially an MBA degree. Mm-hmm. And my point in writing about them was that um, – universities or business schools that continue to cling on to the historical model, they're going to see the world change under their feet when companies like EY find their own way forward with unique partnerships. And we have a choice. We can either work hand in hand with them to solve the problems that they have, or we can find ourselves to be increasingly irrelevant. And we're not going to do the latter. We're, we're going to work <laughs> hand in hand with uh with learners and with our corporate partners to find solutions. Jeff Brown is the dean of the Geese College of Business at the University of Illinois, uh, just being honored here by the folks at Poets and Quants, the MBA program of the year, the Geese IMBA. We talked about cost of education in general at large. I mean, my daughter, one of my daughters, has a lot of student debt. Yeah. That's pretty typical anymore, right? Yes, I mean, it is, it just it's for the, if you're in the middle class and you're trying to get yeah. ahead it's tough it you know it is tough and we could have a long conversation about this you know if you look at the public universities not just illinois but all across the country uh, the financial models fundamentally changed over the last several decades you know if you go back into the 1970s here in illinois uh, something like 70 percent of the university budget was covered by taxpayer dollars Today, that's, you know, less than 10% of our operating mm-hmm. budget is that. And, and, and in some units like mine, it's even less. A lot of people don't realize that. You know, we are a public institution. We have a public mission. But the taxpayer is not, you know, they're paying a small fraction of the cost of running the university. And um, and so our what happened is in the early years, universities responded by raising tuition. And so essentially the you know, the, the burden of paying for it passed from the taxpayer to the families. But it we all collectively did that for too long. Mm-hmm. And we've made it so that education is not as affordable as it should be or as it used to be. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that we're all working to address. The university as a whole has done some really creative things with programs like Illinois Commitment. But, um, you know, we still have lots of situations like your daughter mm-hmm. who graduate with a lot of debt. And so we're working hard. And thanks to our alumni and other donors, you know, we can do a lot on the scholarship front, but uh, the gap is very large. Yeah, I didn't realize the number had dropped to 10% of taxpayer because people will say, well, that's a, I'm paying for that university. Yeah. Well, you are a little bit. And they are, but, 
uh, only a small fraction. Like for mm-hmm. every dollar they're putting in, there's another $9 coming from Where's it come families from? and tuition yeah, families. and graduate programs and philanthropy and, you know, mm-hmm. all these other sources. Yeah, it's interesting. So. And people like the Geese yeah, family with the Geese right. College of Business yes. making it possible. Yeah, and, and access to, and I think one th- other thing you wrote about was uh, schools like the Harvard, you talk about Harvard or the, the Ivy League schools or a Stanford or whatever, it's almost... Um, I think you said it was like a badge of honor to say we only accepted one or two percent. Yeah. yeah uh, well, and it's like, okay, that's the model that's been for hundreds of years, but should it continue to be that way, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think people confuse exclusivity with excellence and they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ivies or, or places like Stanford, you know, they're, they're amazing universities, but the, in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, they don't serve that many students. Right. Um, I think the University of Illinois serves something like four times the number of undergraduates that Harvard does, for example. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, Harvard has an endowment that's many times what ours is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my point is just that, you know, schools like the University of Illinois that take seriously our public land grant mission of access, we're the real economic engines in this country in mm-hmm. terms of, of um, creating access for folks. And we should be looking for ways to do even more of that. So rather than taking pride in how many people we exclude, we want to take pride in how many people that we include, how many people we can help advance their careers by getting a high-quality mm-hmm. education. And that's how this with the Geese College of Business and the IMBA when you when the idea came about, what six years ago or seven years seven ago? Seven years ago, yeah. Um, no, to that, make that accessibility more. Available. That was the whole point. I tell people all the time: we did not develop or price this program to maximize profits. We did it to maximize our mission, mm-hmm. and our mission is about providing life changing access to future business leaders. And um, we've done that with this program, and we're mm-hmm. extraordinarily proud. I mean, in seven years. We've had over 12,000 students either graduate or currently be in our program. Um, And that's just phenomenal that we've Mm -hmm. done that really from whole cloth just Mm -hmm. going back seven years. And and we have uh, aspirations to continue to elevate the the number Mm -hmm. of folks that we're able to serve. I think you started with a couple hundred, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, our very first class was only in the 110, 115 range. And... uh, and it's in- interesting, Brian, you know, I was a brand new dean at the time, and I knew that what we were doing was different from what we'd ever done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- I said, let's aim for a class of about 60 students. So we let in about twice that number, and almost all of them accepted our offer. And we were like, <laughs> yeah, we're on to something here, right? Yeah. We'd never <laughs> seen uh, yields like that yeah. before. And it sounds like the university leadership is supportive and oh, they're fantastic. And, you know, I'm giving you this room to work. Yeah, I am so fortunate. Uh, the leadership we've had at the university, from Tim Colleen at the system level, uh, Chancellor Robert Jones uh, as our chancellor on on this campus, uh, and then of course, you know, I've had a series of, of wonderful provosts. The longest serving of which was Andreas Gangularis, mm-hmm. and um, they have all been nothing but supportive. And I, I will always be grateful mm-hmm. for that. So people hearing about this as we uh, wrap up here with uh, Jeff Brown, the dean at the Geese College of Business, people want to learn more about this and say, hey, I might be interested in doing that. Yeah, what, uh, absolutely. What do? So, um, you know, come to our Geese Business website uh, mm-hmm. and or just do a quick Google search on the Geese IMBA 
and that's geese spelled G-I-E-S. Yes, not like the bird. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> um, and uh, we would love to, uh, you know, engage with you and provide you information about our programs. I mean, in addition to the IMBA, which is the equivalent of a two-year degree, we also have a fully online uh, master's in management degree, which is only one year, and it is intended for people that don't come in with strong business backgrounds. We also have a one-year master's of accounting degree online. So there's a lot of options there, and I, uh, not to mention all the certificates that we're, we're um, putting together as well. So there's something there for just about everybody. Well, congratulations on this honor. This, well, is a, this is a great uh, great honor for the school, and uh, keep up the good work. I know Brooke Elliott's involved with, yeah, with she's, you. She's uh, a great she's team my, member for you. And, she's amazing. She's uh, o- over our academic programs, including this uh, IMBA. But I, I want to take just a, a few seconds to really give a shout-out to the entire team at Geese, mm-hmm. and I mean every faculty member, every staff member. Uh, there are hundreds of people that are involved in delivering this program. Mm-hmm. But I also want to thank our alumni and, and all the students, uh, past and current, in the program because this really is a group effort. And uh, what we've done is pretty remarkable, uh, but it is the, the collective result of a lot of really talented, dedicated mm-hmm. people. Jeff, good to see you again. Good to Thanks see you, Thanks for coming Brian. in. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It's always yeah. good to see you. Well, all right. And go Illini. Go Illini. Let's see. we got the game tomorrow with Wisconsin. So, uh, And good luck with everything going forward. Yeah, sounds with the, great. With the Geese College it. of Business. University of Illinois. All right, we got some uh, news coming up. First, this time out. Nine thirty-seven on a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us here. Appreciate Jeff Brown coming by, the dean of the Geese College of Business. Congratulations, MBA uh, program of the year. Selected from MBA programs from all over the world, they were the one right here in our neighborhood. All right, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Our news headlines brought to you by First Mid Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions. Since 1865, visit firstmid.com to find out more. All right, what else is happening out there? Waiting to see if they'll get a a speaker in Washington for the Speaker of the House. They can't do anything until they get that done, so everybody's been sitting around in there. They're also remembering the two-year anniversary of the uh, Capitol building, storming of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., by the way, I looked up, uh, went through some things here, talking about college degrees and education. I've got a list of what different presidents, where they got their degree from. That's kind of interesting to uh, to look at. List of the U.S. presidents by education, talking about college degrees. And uh, did not graduate from college. George Washington did not graduate from college, although he did get a surveyor certificate from the College of William and Mary. Washington, though, believed strongly in formal education. His will left money and or stocks to support three educational institutions. James Monroe intended the College of William and Mary, but dropped out to fight in the Revolutionary War. I found that interesting. Others that did not graduate from college, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, attended Hamden-Sydney College for three years, did not graduate, then attended the University of 
Pennsylvania School of Medicine, but never got a degree. Zachary Taylor did not have a uh, college degree. Millard Fillmore did not, but he founded the University of, at Buffalo. Abraham Lincoln had only about a year of formal schooling of any kind. Andrew Johnson had no formal schooling of any kind. Grover Cleveland did not go to college. William McKinley attended Allegheny College but did not graduate, attended Albany Law School but also did not graduate. And Harry S. Truman went to business And the presidents that have attended Harvard University, John Adams, John Quincy Adams, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and John F. Kennedy, all graduates of Harvard, and eventually became president. Uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, Benjamin Harrison from there. Uh, John F. Kennedy started at the London School of Economics, eventually transferred to Princeton. Ohio Central College for Warren Harding. Again, Princeton. Uh, John F. Kennedy was there, but then he went to Harvard. James Madison was at Princeton. Woodrow Wilson was at Princeton, as we mentioned. Stanford University produced uh, Herbert Hoover. Just going through the different presidents and where they went from. I think everybody thinks they all went to Yale or Harvard. Uh, Not necessarily true. Uh, Joe Biden, University of Delaware. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, James K. Polk. How about that? Uh, U.S. Military Academy, of course, U.S. Grant and uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, both great generals. Whittier College, Richard Nixon. And Yale University, William Howard Taft, George H. W. Bush, and George W. Bush. All from Yale. So there you go. You got three from Yale, one, two, three, four, five from Harvard, and a couple from William and Mary for presidents. Anyway, just found that interesting. We were talking about uh, colleges and college degrees and who got what where. It's kind of interesting. And there were several that did not have a college degree, including our own Abraham Lincoln. Didn't have a lot of education, but uh, wow, what a president he was. All right, 942 at DWS on a a penny for your thoughts, 217-356-9397. Text line available to you. Castle Heating and Cooling presents that, 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. Today's show brought to you by OSF Healthcare, Cardiovascular Institute, expert heart care right here for you in Champaign-Urbana. Appreciate them being the sponsor of our Illini Fridays. 9.43 at DWS, and Larry joins us this morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, Curiosity, any reason why you left uh, Harvard off of Barack Obama? Uh, Let's see. No, no particular. I didn't see him listed there. Did he go to? Did was he? Uh, did he? Did he go to a master's degree there or something? He got his law degree there. Law degree He's there. Editor, editor of the law review. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at here. Let's see what this list is. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it, I don't know how specific they got. You know, to that whether it was a law degree or whatever. But this is just uh, pretty much undergraduate. Where they went to undergraduate. Okay. So. Well. 
I also have another question for your listeners. I know a lot of your listeners are veterans, SMI. Mm-hmm. And all of us spent time in foreign lands fighting for the right for those foreign people to vote. So how could any veteran in this nation support a political party that tries to limit the rights of our own people here in this country to vote? I would appreciate it if some of your veterans that have a a reason for that could let me know. So you're talking about a party that re- uh, you're talking about the Democratic Party, or I'm talking about the Republican Republican Party, Party? Passed, passed laws in 43 states to restrict voting rights of the residents. Uh, you're thinking of like Georgia and some of those, right? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question. I, I know they had more people than ever vote in Georgia this time, right? Uh, yes, but they made it very difficult for them to do so. Hmm. So your question would be, uh, how can veterans support that, uh, a party that would do that? I guess that's your yes. gist of it. Yeah. Yes, when hmm. we went thousands of miles away to fight for the independence of people that we didn't know. Hmm. Well, we'll see what people think. Okay. Well, and, right. and thank Thanks, you, Brian. and thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Yep. You're welcome. Very good. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate Larry checking in. Let me call up that list again because I I only printed about three pages of it. I think it was eleven. There's probably some list of the presidents and their graduate schools too, or got their law degree. Um. So I'll look it up here again and type that in and see what uh, what they come up with edmund how are you okay yeah i, I don't know if it was mentioned that gerald ford he got uh he went to of course michigan but he mm-hmm. also uh uh i think he got a law degree at yale or something i don't know if that was mentioned or not or something so mm-hmm. like, you get you know so anyway uh, my my comment there regarding the uh the you know the the, the ban that's probably going to get passed by both houses of the illinois uh, Senator, there. I don't know if anybody remembers, uh, you know, the the Saturday night special and the uh, the big controversy over that. And it's kind of interesting that the um, you know Ronald Reagan and you know James Brady and those two uh, law enforcement officers they were shot with one of these cheap handguns. But the company that made it uh, basically stopped uh, selling it. They were like the largest import uh, importer of these of these guns and everything. But before Ronald Reagan left office. Uh, they stopped importing it, and they were like the major supplier, and the, the supply pretty much dried up there. And the, the argument that was being made in banning these things was, you know, the criminals are not going to go out and, you know, spend hundreds of dollars on a gun that they might just use once. Well, you know, that has proven, you know, incorrect. In fact, it made matters worse and everything. So, you know, this proposed ban on these uh, um so-called assault weapons and you know basically almost any semi-automatic weapon with a detachable magazine you know could be you know considered that so but the uh and it, i read the article in the news gazette uh and you wonder you know whether any of those politicians that were uh you know featured and you know pretty much all i think nearly all of them supported the some sort of restrictions and everything like that there and something else to ke- kind of keep in mind there you had the anniversary of the sandy hook uh um, you know, shooting uh, this past month, and you know the interesting thing is the the killer did not legally own 
you know, any of the, the two weapons that were, were used and everything. It was his mother. And of course, she was the first one murdered. But, you know, people focus in on that. So, that, you know, being having uh, and then the, the school in Connecticut, just like it is in Illinois, it was illegal for anybody but law enforcement to legally possess a gun. So and like I said, you have a situation where you have, you know, you wonder if the teachers had had the ability to defend themselves, you know, for until the, the first police officer arrived, mm-hmm. you know, there was nobody else, uh, you know, on that premise except the killer. So those are my, my basically my two comments there. Again, it's like one of those things where, you know, these politicians there, they, they it sounds really nice, but you look at history again, the Saturday night specials, you know, they got rid of them and, and the criminals went to weapons that were far more powerful and they made things more dangerous. So those are my comments there. So I, I appreciate the time for letting me speak. Yeah, very good. Hey, thank you, Edmund. I appreciate the call. Okay. Bye. Very good. Yeah, no, I think I think the argument, I think what he's mentioning too, and I think what what people talk about is if you, you can put all the gun laws you want in place, but the criminals don't care about the gun laws. <laughs> they, uh, by definition, they're criminals, right? I mean, they're not... You know, okay, oh, well, I can't have that. Okay, well, I'll go find it somewhere else. Or I'll do ghost guns or I'll, you know, whatever. I mean, somebody's determined to use a gun, they're going to find a way around it. So what it affects, it tends to affect, I think, is the people that are law-abiding citizens. It limits their ability to to do certain things. And I think uh, Edmund's right. I think the politicians, it looks good on paper and it sounds good. It's like, well, yeah, that'd be a good idea. But unfortunately, most of the crime that is committed is, you know, people, that they're not going to follow the rule anyway. So, um, you know, is it really going to stop them? But, uh, you know, are there way too many guns that are available? Yes. And is should there be some way you would think to limit the numbers? But I think when you get down to human nature, the people that are going to commit a crime are going to commit the crime. They're going to get the gun. They're not going to follow any legal procedure. They're just going to do it the way they want to do it. But uh, I know that something has to be done. Whatever it is, got to do something. But, you know, is that something good? Is that ultimately going to solve the problem or is it just going to make it worse or is it going to matter? That's, I guess, what you got to determine as a politician to figure that out. And that's what they try to do. All right, 950 at DWS. Penny for your thoughts. Back in a moment. So, how's Tom snoring? Oh, didn't I tell you? Hmm? It was obstructive sleep apnea. He just got a CPAP. He's doing great. Well, I'm glad he's doing well. Of course, you got to be sure to do all the upkeep. Upkeep? Oh, yeah. All those filters, cushions, and hoses. You've got to replace that stuff regularly. Where do I get all that? Same place I get mine. 23 million Americans suffer from sleep apnea. That's roughly 7% of the population. Continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP, is the common and effective treatment method for obstructive sleep apnea. I'm Dave Bashore, president of MedServe Equipment Corp in Urbana, and my team of specialists is here to work with you and your healthcare team to ensure a proper mass fit and to help select the best app device for you. Call MedServe for an appointment today or visit us at the Lincoln Square Mall in Urbana. Just Google MedServe Urbana to find us and you can sleep better tonight. Sweet dreams. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. 
My love for you. 953, Penny for your thoughts here as we roll along on this Friday. We had uh, Dean Jeff Brown on from the uh, Geese College of Business here a little bit ago. Uh, 953, all right, uh, yes, I didn't go far enough down. Law school, all right, and somebody mentioned Barack Obama at Harvard. That's that's right, got a JD from Harvard. Rutherford B. Hayes also was there at Harvard Law School. Uh, Let's see, Duke University School of Law, Richard Nixon. So the list I was reading earlier was undergraduate degrees. University of Michigan Law School, Gerald Ford, as our listener pointed out. Syracuse University College of Law, Joe Biden. University of Virginia School of Law, Woodrow Wilson, but he withdrew. University of Cincinnati College of Law, William Howard Taft. Yale Law School, Gerald Ford, Bill Clinton. So there's a couple there for you, uh, presidents, when it comes to getting law degrees. Okay, uh, let's go to Liz. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. I have two things. I wanted to ask when the, uh, they play basketball tomorrow. What time? 1230. 1230, okay. How about that? Enjoy hearing you on the radio. Well, thank and you, Liz. Also, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, see, since Brad Hugan's leaving for Madison, Wisconsin, Farm Bureau, why, could you have him on again before he leaves? Oh, sure. Yeah, in fact, I was thinking about that this morning. when I. fine young man. Yes, he is. He's got, got a great a, job, Farm Bureau. He has. He's got a son playing football, too, now. Yes, yes. <laughs> From what Where? I understand. Uh, is it up in South Dakota, I think? Oh, okay. Somewhere up I there? Yeah. I could be wrong, okay. but I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank Have you, Liz. Day. Very good. Yes, we'll try to get him on. I'd like to do that. I saw the article today. Brad Eukin leaving for Wisconsin. He's been the manager over at the Champaign County Farm Bureau. Done a great job, and he's a good man. So, yes, we will definitely uh, talk to him here before he leaves, hopefully. Uh, let's go to Scott. How you doing, Scott? Morning, Brian. Good morning. Hey, uh, referring to the gentleman that called in about these voting laws that restrict you from voting. Uh, I'd like somebody to tell me one law that stops you from voting if if you've done the minimum requirements to do it. If you're an American citizen... You're a registered voter with a registration card. You live at your address. You get to your voting booth within your 12 hours from 6 to 6 or 6 to 7, whatever it is, let alone all these early voting things now. Uh, Are you going to tell me that they're going to turn you away if you have all that? And I would like to know of one circumstance where somebody was turned away if they've got all their registration their voting card, their address, uh, they're they're on time. I would like to know if that's ever happened. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, the voting has become so easy now. Yes. I mean, if you go back in history, of course, yes, there was voter suppression. I mean, the the government, the especially after the federal troops were pulled out, sure. when in eighteen seventy seven, the new Southern governments down there tried to suppress the black vote in the South. Because there were so many down there, the newly freed slaves, and the, they knew that you know a lot of them, of course, had not been able to get an education because they were slaves, and so they made them you know do certain things to try to uh, you know before they could vote. That definitely was voter suppression. There's a whole history of that. Well, 
And the Democrats uh, also started the Ku Klux Klan. Well, we in the Southern, that. yeah, the Democratic Southern, yeah, the Southern votes, yes. Southern votes, yes. But now, but now but I nowadays. mean, I. There's so many different ways to vote now. We can vote, you know, you can vote here, you can vote there. And in this county, you can vote. You don't have to vote at your own precinct. You can vote anywhere you want. Um, well, the Democrats so. uh, confuse everybody so much with false laws. I'd like for somebody to call in, maybe that gentleman, and recite one law that if you don't have those requirements, your address, American citizen, registration card, you get there on time that you can't vote. I just, you know, it's just so frustrating all this BS the Democrats put out there. So maybe you can let that gentleman call back in and recite a law that says you can't vote. All right. Well, maybe you can text us. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. 958 at DWS on a a penny for your thoughts. 217-356-356. Nine three nine seven. I got about a minute and a half here, Chris. Go ahead. Yes, I appreciate you taking my call. The the question I have for all the listeners out there are why are important like an assault weapons ban and the safety act where we totally restructure our law and justice system, cashless bail, totally revamp everything. Why is this all done during lame duck session? I would have a better understanding and more credibility for the people I just voted for that they take up that legislation during regular session. And the Democrats have a veto-proof supermajority. They can pass anything they want at any time. So why are they choosing something as important as the Second Amendment and totally revamping our law and justice through the Safety Act during lame duck sessions? I don't understand this. They, They already own everything in Illinois. Well, Why it's are yeah. Lame duck sessions even allowed, but yet they still have veto-proof supermajorities. So why is this even done during lame duck sessions, Brian? Mm. Yeah, no, it's a good question, and uh, yeah, Thanks, a lot Brian. of a lot of bad. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, a lot of bad stuff gets done. I think, <laughs> like this omnibus bill in Washington. That's just bad stuff. Why can't we just do a budget like we used to? The commit. I studied this in in college. I took a whole class on it. Do your committees and come up with your budget. Now let's just throw it all in one big Christmas tree at the end of the session. Or let's do something in the lame duck session that we know may not go over well with the voters, but, um, you know, hey, I'm not going to be in the office anymore, so, yeah, I'll vote for it. I mean, yeah, that's that's a problem, I think. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, 10 o'clock. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of our show today on this Friday, brought to you by our friends at OSF Healthcare. We appreciate them being our sponsor of the show today. 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. During the break there, uh, Grant Thompson gave me some tickets for the basketball game tomorrow. 
12.30 tip. I'll give those away. I'll figure out a way to give them away later in the show, near the uh, end of the show. Adam and I will work on that. Uh, 10.10, we had Jeff Brown on, the dean of the Geese College of Business. In the first hour, they were honored as the MBA Program of the Year for 2022. If you missed any of that, it'll be on a podcast a little later. Been talking about voters and voting and uh, voter suppression. We got a couple of emails and texts on that. The uh, legislature last night, hours after more than 100 gun safety supporters descended on Springfield, the Illinois House of Representatives overnight passed a historic and sweeping piece of gun legislation, among other things, would ban the sale, manufacturing, delivery, and purchase of assault weapons uh, ban across the state. The 6443 vote, 77-page House Bill 5855, known as the Protect Illinois Communities Act, occurred around midnight. Uh, Representative uh, Jim Durkin, Republican, uh, voted in favor of the bill. Earlier in the day, the Capitol saw a rally from safety groups, faith leaders, and survivors of gun violence. The bill's chief sponsor... Highland Park Representative Bob Morgan, who was an eyewitness to the tragic shooting at the 4th of July parade in suburban Highland Park earlier this year, said it filled his heart to see supporters gathered in the lobby of the Capitol. So anyway, that happened uh, overnight. Whether you think that's a good bill or not, it did get done, and it is in the uh, lame duck session here of the uh, state legislature. Trying to think, uh, there's been some tax increases, I think, that have been done in a lame duck session uh, over the years. You can probably go down a list and find a bunch of things. All right, let's see here. Let me get back to the phones, and let's go to Scott. How you doing, Scott? Well, good morning, Brian. Good Happy morning. New Year. Yes, you too. Happy New Year. Yeah, no, I was uh, uh, calling about uh, Senate Bill uh, 2226, House Floor Amendment 2. Uh, that uh, more or less uh, came from the original House Bill 5855 you uh, mentioned Mm -hmm. uh, moments ago uh, about the assault weapons ban. And, uh, I mean, there's – and that's one thing folks may not realize how things work in Springfield, but uh, uh, they'll take a bill like 5855 – uh, then they'll uh, take a uh, another bill, and basically it's referred to as a shell bill. And they'll replace uh, the first paragraph uh, uh, will state that they're replacing everything after the enacting clause with whatever, and basically uh, copy paste, uh, tweak uh, the text of a previous bill into a new bill with a, a totally different name. So it's hard to trace them, hmm. hard to track them. Uh, a little bit of gamesmanship there. Um, Imagine that, first of all. Yeah. Well. <laughs> what, what a shock. Yeah. Gamesmanship. Yeah. <laughs> but, but. Uh, so just a little piece of information on that. But at any rate, uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, uh, we have a tragedy uh, like Highland Park, and there's been so many uh, over the years. And uh, the reaction is we have to do something. Uh, the thing is, though, is there are already a lot of laws on the books that, if we bothered to enforce them, uh, would reduce crime. And uh, Chicago doesn't. You know, the state's attorney, everything else, uh, and they they tie the hands of law enforcement uh, 
who can't pursue uh, uh, vehicle stops, uh, chases, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a, there's a laundry list of how law enforcement's hands are tied where they can't do their job. And then the state's attorney's office, uh, when they do make an arrest, uh, fails to prosecute. You know, it's kind of a, you go back to your old Psych 101 class, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. What do we expect? Hmm. Uh, so we come up with new laws, and all they do is they go after, of course, law-abiding folks. Um, you know, and, I've, and again, looks like with the Safety Act, uh, the cash bail. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. There's there's no repercussions for being um, for committing crimes. Uh, fortunately, that's currently on hold, at least. And maybe uh, smarter minds will prevail. We'll see. The other thing, uh, looked last night at, uh, at witness slips filed uh, on uh, SB 2226, uh, HFA2, it's a mouthful. And uh, at that point in time, proponents of the bill, 654, opponents, 4,118. Uh, no position, 14. Uh, they're not being representative of their constituents either. Hmm. At all, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred plus people show up, and that's good, and that kind of a thing. But uh, when you when you look at the numbers on the witness slips, obviously they don't pay attention to them. Hmm. And, uh, and what are witness? Wit- you said witness slips. Is that what you call them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what are what are those? You can follow those online at the uh, uh, Illinois uh, government website uh, for any bill, and uh, basically as to whether you are a proponent or o- opponent. Or no position. That's uh, that's uh, another thing that you can do as well. And uh, in lieu of of uh, showing up and testifying, I you see. Can, uh, yeah, you can follow those uh, 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 record uh, record witness only, and you don't actually have to be present. So you're able to uh, 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 provide your uh, your opinion or your or your stance on any piece of legislation uh, in the state of Illinois. And then, of course, also reach out to your uh, representatives and your senators, which I do, and, uh, and let them know as well uh, what your, uh, where you stand on, uh, on any piece of legislation. And, and that is a neat thing that the state of Illinois has. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, yeah. well, very good. Well, it sounds like you're, you're up to date on this stuff, so... That's well, they good. did make a, they did make a couple of concessions. I was listening to your news and everything, a Mary Lynn story, and, and they uh, and I believe you've already covered this though that they did uh, increase or or decrease, depending on how you want to say it, uh, the limitation on magazine uh, from ten. They increased that up to twelve rounds, limiting on that, and then the age of uh, they were going for the age of twenty one uh, minimum for a Ford card, and. Uh, they've conceded on that and gone back to 18 um, years of age on that. But hmm. I mean, this will end up in the courts as it uh, as it should because it's it's an unconstitutional piece of legislation to begin with. Well, we'll see what happens to it. Yep, it's never dull, is it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep it interesting over there. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Yes, sir. You take care, Brian. You too. Good to hear from you. Thank you. 217-356-9397. Let's see. Basketball here question. Good morning, Brian. In regards to the discussion of the Illini the other day, you don't need to pay me $3 million a year. I'll tell you what's wrong. Quit running the three-man weave around the three-point line. 
Start picking and rolling. Get Hawkins and Shannon off the three-point line and get some picks for them. Also, let's try getting the ball down to Dane. Or have Dane setting some picks for these guys. Quit living on the three-point line. Start picking and taking the ball to the basket. I'd rather see them miss a shot going to the basket rather than jacking up some terrible three-point shot every time down the court. The team can't. Uh, this team can't shoot threes. You would think all the high-paid coaches would realize that. Well, some of what you're saying I've heard Brad Underwood say in practice. <laughs> and after the game the other day, don't shoot off-balance three-point shots. Those aren't very good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like telling my um, – you know, my, your kids to, you know, you need to save money and you need to, well, if they don't do it, whose fault is it? Yours or theirs? I mean, I don't know. And I'm not trying to blame either side on it here. I'm just saying it's, uh, you know, it's kind of real life. You know, sometimes you can tell them and coach them this and don't, don't do that. And then they do the opposite. And it's like, it's like raising kids, you know, I don't know. Uh, but yes, those are all, I mean, I think they've all talked about all of that. Uh, in regards to trying to attack the basket, which was what the uh, the offense was designed to do, and they just weren't getting before they kind of went back to the offense they were running a couple of years ago, the spread as opposed to the five out offense. It, this offense forces them to move and cut and do more regulated things rather than they're trying to run some sets too, rather than just rely on the players to create their own offense, which is they ran into trouble with that. So. Anyway, appreciate the uh, text. Thank you very much. I asked uh, the caller earlier how he can vote for the Democratic Party when they want to destroy the country. Okay. Uh, here's a – this must have been sent in by a Democrat. Here's a better list. Criminal indictments by POTUS administration. Trump, 215. Nixon, 215. I'm sorry. Trump, 215. Nixon, 76. This is criminal indictments by POTUS administrations. Trump 215, Nixon 76, Reagan 26, George Bush 16, Clinton 2, George H. Bush 1, Ford 1, Carter 1, Obama 0, Biden 0. That's Republicans 335 indictments, Democrats 3. Who should you vote for, the texter says. All right, 1020 at DWS. On a penny for your thoughts, let's go to John. Good morning, sir. Morning. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing okay. Well, it's a beautiful day here. Um... Regarding the gun gun law or the gun bill, um, I had a couple of thoughts. One is uh, since a mass shooting, I think it was the um, Christmas parade and the last few ones we've had, I had a thought, <clears throat> what if we raise the, uh, the uh, legal age to 25? to lawfully own a gun. Um, the reason I say that, research and uh, car rental companies look at this, is you cannot rent a car as a male until you're age 25 because of brain, brain development. Mm -hmm. So I had that thought. Yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't preclude people from uh, possessing a weapon, it would just be owning it, and they could operate it under the uh, supervision of a lawful uh, lawful owner. I think that would be constitutional. I think the new law will be, of course, that it won't go through the, the registering of a specific weapon. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit too far. Um, mm -hmm. 
My other thought is, and I'm going to have a friend of mine who works for the university, and his job is to look at police and uh, community interactions. I'm going to have him look at, wonder how many um, shootings, particularly mass shootings, are conducted by one, felons, and two, uh, young people that acquire a gun, illegally probably, and have no background, no training in firearm usage. The other one would be, uh, uh, are they current felons? I think that might, those numbers mm. might be telling. Or, or mentally unstable. That would be the other That's one. That's true. I mean, And I, also, uh, the FBI, I don't remember the number now, it's three or four people that are shot, and that's their definition of a mass shooting. Well, we have that in our large cities on a reoccurring basis, but those that want to push an agenda will say it's always the crazy young white man, which do commit a lot of the mass shootings that make the news, but on a, on a weekly basis, if not daily, there's a lot of people shot that don't mm-hmm. meet that definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and anyway, uh, yeah, those oh, are my thoughts. Hey, thank you for your thoughts. I appreciate that. And I'm going to direct that. One last thing to leave you with, yeah. and this explains a lot, follow the money. So all the debate on abortions, who, uh, what political party or what type of person uh, are pushing that to raise funds? On the other side of the House, gun rights advocates, uh, what political party or type of people push that to increase donations for organizations which ultimately are followed, funded to the politicians. So that's a lot. That's all I got. Hey, thank you. I'll, I'll have a great day. Appreciate it, John. Thank you, sir. Uh, we go from John to Martell. How you doing, Martell? How you doing today? Good, sir. I wish I got on. I wish I got on yesterday because uh, the guy from the news that said something very important when he said the experience that Carol had. But I'm gonna talk about the guns. Yeah. Right. Now. The gun law they passed is common sense law. Because if, if a person take an AR-15 out and shoot a deer with it, they will hunt him down like he shot the president and lock his butt up. For shooting, but, a, for shooting a deer? For shooting a deer with an AR-15. Mm-hmm. Go, to tell, any, tell anybody on the AR-15 go out and shoot a deer with it and watch what happened to him. They would probably get about five years in jail off the bat. And with these high-powered weapons and stuff, what is the reason for someone to have a 30 to 60 bullet magazine in there? You ain't going out target shooting like that because if you can pay for the bullets like that, man, our, our, our artillery is not cheap. Um, and that's all I got to say. It's just a common sense Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything against guns. People, don't, I, I, I don't have gun ever, ever in my life because I don't see no use for it other than uh, you call it for protection. But a lot of people don't get killed because of protection; they get killed for other other reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, then I'm gonna talk about the voting right quick. Yeah, my daughter stayed in Chicago, stayed here in Champaign for a while, and she stayed in Georgia. And she moved to Georgia this this past year. And she said, where she, she wanted to vote was pretty easy because she's in the upper neighborhood and 
the voting access is very good. But she said when she she was just so shocked when she went to the poor neighborhoods and the black neighborhoods, the lines was like three or four hundred, no matter what voting place you went by, they were in the hundreds. She was, she was out there for hours to vote. So they're not um, stopping you for vote, but they're making it so hard for you to vote. You have to spend so much time voting. How many people in Champaign would stand in the line for four to six hours to make a vote? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, prob- probably yeah. not many. And you, you said she was that was on election day is when she had that happen. She's, yeah, she's yeah. election day in Georgia, and she said she stayed in Chicago, where it's three times as many people in Georgia, and they never had lines like that. Hmm. But she said this was in the minority neighborhoods where they just made it so inconvenient for you not to vote. And then I had a son that was in Texas with my stepson, where he wants to get his voter registered. I, I pushed my kids to vote um and he wants to get a voter registration and he had his license and and when he went they told him his license in county needs some mail so when he went back he had mail with his name on it but it didn't have his middle on this one and they still wouldn't get him a vote oh wow so hmm. what and so these are the things that they do you know so how many i'm asking when your mail comes does it have your middle initial on it uh usually not Unless it's right. something, unless it's something official, you know, like a, you know, some yeah, somebody from the government's trying to get me, yeah. <laughs> the, right, the, but, but so you understand what I'm saying? I'm yeah. just gonna let you go. But these these are things that what goes on, and like I said, with, with that gun law, it's just a common sense law, hmm. you know. And I wish people use just their common sense. Very good. Hey, thank you, Martel. Right. Thank you. Appreciate your thoughts. Thank you, sir. Ten twenty eight at DWS. Let's see here. Texter says, if someone needs 30 rounds to hit a target, they have no business touching a gun. Uh, Interesting, the caller suggested the 25-year-old law. Our wars are fought by 18-year-olds. Our wars are. Have your callers checked Georgia Senate Bill 202. Can't give water to anyone in line. Uh, Somebody mentions that. Is requiring a picture ID or a driver's license to vote to register or register to vote considered voter suppression by the liberal left, the texter says. Another text is just because we've got the right stone guns doesn't mean we need to buy them. No, certainly you don't have to. Um, and, and I had mentioned earlier, just, you know, I, <laughs> if you're someone who you're of a mind that you're going to go shoot people at a school or you're going to go shoot is a law that says you can't have this gun or that gun going to stop you, I guess is my question. Maybe, but I have my doubts. I mean, I, I, I think if, if you're going to use a gun illegally, are you going to care what the law is, I guess, is my, is my question. I don't know, but I, I do have my doubts. Because <laughs> if you're going to use it and you're going to use it illegally – I don't know what the law is going to do to tell you, you know, oh, wait a minute, I can't do that. Oh, the law says I can't. I, I don't think it's going to stop them. But maybe there's something in there I'm missing. Could be. Uh, David, good morning. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year yes, to you. Yes, Happy New Year to you. Yeah. Hey, um, I wasn't going to call in until Martell called. Um, he said that his daughter had problems voting in 
areas of Georgia in the big city. Had to wait a long I time. Had, had to wait yeah. four hours, or I think he said. So, Who runs those precincts in those areas? Is it the Republicans or the Democrats? Who's the one that's making it hard for people to vote? If you're in a highly Democratic precinct and the Democrats are in charge of the voting rules and regulations, then that's their problem. They're the ones making it hard to vote. So I that just that just makes me my blood boil when people say that. Uh, I mean, it, you look at the areas and they are the Democratic precincts that are having problems. Well, then fix the problem. It's not the Republicans that are causing the problems. It's the Democrats. And my other big deal is this this gun. De- debate that's going on right now one gentleman called in and you made a comment too. common sense enforce the laws that are on the books let's quit this revolving door thing that we have going on that pritzker just voted in right now you take all the big cities in the united states in one weekend and more people are killed in one weekend that are probably killed by an ar throughout the whole year and who's the ones that are being killed in the big cities? It's the minorities that are being killed. You know, there's an old saying, an unarmed citizen is a peasant. And the, when the British, was, when we were having the Revolutionary War, you're a historian. Where did the British, what was one of the first things they wanted to hit during the Revolutionary War? It was the area that they had the 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 colonies had their ammunition stored Mm -hmm. they were wanting if you take the guns away from the people they become they can't defend themselves and that's what the second amendment was about our forefathers saw what the british did and what they were planning on doing and they did it i mean that it's ridiculous and you know this voter suppression here who was the, what party did the voting suppression back in the days? It was the Democrats. They fought women's votes. They fought the blacks to vote. They started the KKK. Uh, you know, it, it's like my mom said, when you point your finger at somebody, there's three fingers that are pointing back at you. And it just, you know, and, and one of the biggest mass killings that was ever done in a school, that was back, I think, in the late, early 1900s, a janitor placed dynamite in a school building and blew it up. Now, did was a gun involved? What did Timothy McVeigh use in Oklahoma? He didn't use a gun, and look at how many people he killed. Mm. So, you know, this, this gun debate is, if you look at all these things, and one person kind of brought it up, some of these people, the guy down at Sandy Hook killed his mother, and, and broke into the safe and stole the gun. I think the guy up in Chicago area, that area already had banned firearms, or, and one of them had a mental problem that was going on, and the local police department didn't enter it into the system, so when he filled out his federal form, it didn't happen. So the government is to blame on a lot of this, and if we want to talk about gun laws, why isn't Hunter Biden in prison for lying on his form? He lied on his federal form uh, for buying, purchasing a firearm, and then he threw it in a dumpster. That's a federal offense, too. 
It's, it's just crazy. It's like enforce the laws that are on the books and let's go from there. Very good. Thank you, David. Well, thank you, sir. I yep. appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Have a good go weekend. Along. Yep. Go Illini. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go Illini. Uh, the folks at OSF On Call Urgent Care, two locations in Champaign, Danville, Mattoon, Rantoul. They treat minor illnesses every day, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Every day, including the holidays. Most insurance is accepted. Flu shots, 24-7 virtual visits. Check them out, osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Quick timeout, back with more. On a penny for your thoughts up until 11 here today on this Friday. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's easy to listen to us anywhere. Download the News Gazette app and click on Listen Live to News Talk 1400 at 93.9 FM. Ten thirty-seven on a, a penny for your thoughts. All right, some more text on all this. A lot of guns here. Uh, Martell is correct. One cannot shoot a deer with an AR. There are a massive amount of rules for hunting, which conservation police enforce. That's what Martell was referring to. There isn't an assault rifle, uh, Bill says. There isn't an assault rifle for legal purchase in this state. There are semi-automatic rifles using different ammo than the military uses. Law-abiding citizens stop between 1.5 and 3 million crimes in this country every year with firearms. These politicians wouldn't know a pop gun from an elephant gun. (laughs) We have 20,000 gun laws already in this country. Chicago hardly prosecutes federal gun crimes because they're busy prosecuting corruption. And I disagree with a veteran caller. Can he explain why my Democratic Champaign County clerk closed polling places in the rural areas? That is voter suppression. And yes, it is happening here. We have 118 precincts. He has chosen to close many rural locations. We now only have 67 combined polling precinct locations. In Champaign-Urbana, you can vote easily about every corner, but not us rural folks. A listener says. All right, appreciate that. I will say, and people talk about, you know, is it is it hard to vote? At least here, around here, and I understand because I grew up in a rural area too. I understand the the rural uh, folks' comment because I was one of them. But I I I don't know anymore. I think we've gone the other way, right? I mean, I think it's it's so easy to vote. I mean, you can vote. You can start voting at the Brookings Center. How far out from the before the election? You can vote on the day of the election. You can register to vote on the day of the election. Some people would contend it's gotten too easy to vote. But, uh, I mean, you got all those days to do it. But, again, some people, I, I totally get it. You know, I, I like uh, voting on the day of or close to it. But that's just me. 
All right, back to the phones. Alan's here. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Brian. Hey. Turned out to be a nice day today. Yeah, well, the sun's trying to come through. Are you getting sun down there? Yeah, we're getting a lot of sun. Oh, it's good. It's mostly clear right now. It's mm-hmm. actually, oh, I don't know, 40 degrees above, but it feels warmer than that. Uh, I did a game last night, a grade school game, junior high, Mattoon and uh, Paris Crestwood, seventh grade game. Uh, I had two teams that made 16 threes in the game. 16. Each or total? Total. Total. Between the two of them. Wow. Granted, it's six-minute quarters. Neither team uh, played uh, – both teams played the zone. Nobody pressed. But they was passing the ball around and shooting it from outside. And they was, there was more uh, three-pointers made than there was two-pointers made. Wow. So I thought to myself – why can't Illinois shoot like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what kids are wa- you know what kid you, you know what kids are watching, Alan. They're watching Stephen Cur- Stephon Curry. I mean, he yep. Clay, Clay yep. Thompson and these guys. They come across the midcourt line and they're shooting. So, but Brian, these kids are shooting these like it was layups. Oh yeah, I couldn't believe it. I mean, they're just popping them and they're making them and it was like it was easy. Mm-hmm. Now, not every game's like that. I've had a lot of high school games that couldn't make any, but. I don't know what was in the water last night, but I've never seen so many three-pointers made. And the game was so easy, I didn't have to call, call hardly anything. I think we had maybe a total of seven or eight fouls total, which is very unusual. And so it mm. was an easy game, and we've done 50 minutes. Mm. Well, that's perfect. So. No, no, no media timeouts either. So <laughs> That too. And the thing was, uh, one of the teams didn't even have a substitute. Oh the other wow! Team maybe had one or two substitutes, and that makes it go even faster. Too. I bet. And nobody called timeout, so I should get my money back. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. You earned it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on the lighter note, I just thought I thought that up. I just shocked how easy these kids can shoot three pointers anymore. Oh yeah. No, it's uh, it's uh, they grow up doing it. That's what they do. Well. I guess that's what they see. Well, monkey see, monkey do. You know uh, what I mean. There you go. Thanks, Alan. Yep. Bye. Very good. We had a uh, in our barn loft down there on the farm in Tolona. We uh, we put up a rim. Dad did on the wall, one of the where the hay goes in the barn. And so we would uh, once we had the hay moved around enough and cleared out, feeding the sheep, we could set up our hoop and you know we'd play up there. You know the ball bounced kind of funny on a wooden floor and you had to be careful not to hit certain boards there with nails in them you know your ball would go flat you'd have that problem uh but we we created our own three-pointer and basically there was a big cross beam in the barn if you threw it over the cross beam that was for three (laughs) it's kind of a tough shot at a tough angle but if you did it you got three played a lot of hoops up there all right, 1043, back in a moment here. Penny, for your thoughts. Get the answers for your lawn and garden problems from the Prairie Gardens plant experts live Saturday mornings at 815 here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Ten forty-five on a penny for your thoughts. Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. Dave and Bill Gallo, very, very passionate about what they do. They run a great business there on uh, Kenyon Road, just between the 
Prospect and Neal exits just south of I-74. Easy to find. You can see it. Very attractive building there. They'll take care. They're working on some stuff for us right now. Helped us, you know, with the rental car, the insurance, and all that stuff. I mean, it just, you know, if you need some work done on your car or you've had an accident and you're like, man, I don't want to deal with all this nonsense. I mean, it's just a hassle, right? Never, There's never a good time for your car to be in the body shop. I mean, let's just say that. It's never convenient. But they make it as smooth as possible for you. So uh, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, gallomiller.com is where you can go for all the information on them. All right. Yes, Larry, our great veterans have done an awesome job liberating and defending oppressed countries. And some of them had free elections for the first time. And I guarantee the people filled out a paper ballot using a pencil and dropped it in a box. The election site on election day. Most of them didn't care how far and how long it took them to get there, just as long as they put that ballot in the box on that day. If you go back to Iraq, remember that? They dipped their finger in the purple ink, right? To show they had voted back one of the first elections. Hunter is a Democrat. Hunter Biden, I guess. He'll not be prosecuted by the corrupt Justice Department. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven exclamation points on that one. Somebody says... Uh, your texture citing the Georgia voting law is prohibiting giving water to people is a line repeating the same lie that's easily debunked by reading the actual law. What is prohibited is electioneering, which is giving something to a voter in return for a promised vote. This is such a common lie. It's emblematic of the lazy propaganda that permeates our society today. I guess the one way to fix that, right, simple way, would be to take a bottle of water with you. But maybe that's maybe you go not anticipating being in a long line. That could be it. Uh, good morning, Brian. I'd like to use my phone to vote. Wouldn't that be great? And a great point about taking an AR hunting. Yes, game wardens enforce this very hard, and yet people still poach so much for the just enforce the law argument. And somebody responding to Martell says, with more locations and more days for early voting in Georgia than the last election, why did your daughter wait until the last day to vote? If voters are suppressed in Georgia, can you explain why they had a record turnout in the most recent election? And we're, the way we vote is changing. Look, you know, we've had the traditional for years. You vote on Election Day. Now it's expanded, and then everything's kind of in flux. And 20 years from now, it'll be interesting to see where we are on all that. Back in a moment, Penny, for your thoughts. i got to get this break in. I'm running a little behind. 1048, I also got four tickets to the basketball game tomorrow against Wisconsin. The Bucky Badgers are in town. And we'll give those away here in a bit. Back in a moment. Hey. Yeah, Champagne.org is the place to go for the Champagne Public Library. The uh, Friends Shop bookstore will be open here at noon coming up. They're having uh, toddler tales today. Teen Lounge is uh, open 3 p.m. today, so if your teenager is looking to go somewhere today, you can do that for sure. Curbside service, events, e-library, any questions, you can give the library a call, of course. Visiting uh, soon, service updates, study rooms available two hours daily where you can reserve a study room. At the library, got the studio expansion project coming up, and of course, books, 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 and videos, and everything else you like to get at the Champaign Public Library. Get a library card. Got uh, things for adults and teens and kids and events and book signings and 
Saw Doris Kearns Goodwin there earlier this uh, last year, so that was a lot of fun. 10.52. All right, got to give away four tickets to the Wisconsin game tomorrow. And uh, at one point, Wisconsin had won 15 in a row against Illinois. Okay? How many in a row have the Illini won against Wisconsin since that streak ended? Okay, it's not a big number. So if you want to give me a call, 217-356-9397, 217-356-9397. couple of notes on these. They're in the 200 level, row 17. So they're not close. These are not courtside seats. I'm just telling you that. Uh, and the other um, thing about them is there's no parking with them. If you're good with that, and you got to pick them up by 4 o'clock today. So those three things would be the qualifications on it. So if you can't do any of those, don't don't call in. But what is the number of times Illinois has defeated Wisconsin in a row since Wisconsin beat Illinois 15 straight? All right, is this Zach? This is him. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Good. What's what's your guess on the number of wins in a row? 4. 4. You're exactly right. How about that? Yeah, thank I, you very and, much. And four is the number of tickets I got. Cool. Okay. All so, right. So thank he, you. Uh, hang on. We'll get you your number and everything, but you got to stop by before 4 o'clock today, okay? All right. We'll, we'll pick do. them up. And parking, you're on your own. All righty. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Hold on, sir. I'll get the, the number for you and all the information here from Adam. 217-356-9397. Four tickets to Zach for tomorrow's game against Wisconsin. Again, the tip is 1230. There were some – they didn't know if it was going to be 1230 or 1. It turns out it is 1230. 1054 at DWS here on a penny for your thoughts. i got a couple of minutes. Lawrence, go ahead. Well, you have an unusual number of excellent callers today. Oh, thank you. And I've been on long, hold long enough that I had so many ideas, but I didn't write down any notes. No. So I'm just going to hit a couple. You're about out of time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to compliment the callers who are waking up to the manipulations of the Democrat Party. They they cook all this stuff up. I give Bill Clinton the credit for figuring out how to point the finger as if the Republicans were doing it when in reality he and his team were doing the same things that they were complaining about the Republicans. I think that was built on the concept from long ago that if you're accusing somebody else, you're not doing it. See, So they figured that out and they used it. Now, the other thing I want to try to answer your question, I think you posed the question of, and I would like to know if they discussed this in the class you took, but uh, they can cheat better if they have these big omnibus bills. They can cram more things in there, and they're so large, and they have such a time constraint that I don't think anybody ever reads any of them. Oh, you're right. They're called Christmas tree bills. You put everything you put everything under the tree you can get. So they discussed that in the class that you yeah. took? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Why do people in Congress cooperate with that? <laughs> Well, too, they they lately they've been doing these right before Christmas, so everybody wants to go home, and uh, you know nobody wants to be stuck in Washington, and uh, you know lately it's been used as a a weapon as far as threatening a government shutdown, and nobody wants that to be blamed for that, so they just uh, okay, we'll go with it as long as I get what I need for my district, we're good, and well, that's what happened. They make a rule in their own House of Congress that. 
constrains their ability to do that. They have to get such and such done so many weeks before uh, the deadline instead of manipulating around the deadline. Well, you would think so. But uh, they got to make those rules, and maybe they don't want to pass a rule like that. So I don't know. Hey, Lawrence, I got, I got to go, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Back in a moment. Back on a penny for your thoughts. About a minute to go here. Again, our forecast calling for variable cloudiness today. A high of 36. Cloudy tonight, 22. A high of 38 tomorrow. Could get some rain or snow showers on Sunday with a high of 37. Back up to 45 on Monday. Uh, hey, Brian, thank you for hosting a great show. Thank you. We probably should write a law making murder illegal, one making buying guns and ammo without credentials illegal, law against theft and trespassing, etc. Oh, wait. <laughs> Meaning we already have those. Uh, somebody asked about, do you know there's a bill being discussed in the lame duck session going on right now that would take the sitting authority of wind and solar farms from the counties and place that authority in the hands of the state of Illinois? I've not, I've not seen that. Thank you for letting us know. i got a couple left over. I'll get to those probably on Tuesday, Monday morning quarterback with Lauren Tate on Monday. Got the game tomorrow. Congratulations to the women. Another win. They're 14-2. and two. Have a great weekend. Go Illini. WDWS Champaign-Urbana.